We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen, and I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. That's part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Peterman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we have some early 49ers offseason news to get into with coaching hires, coaching departures. We'll dive into what the Mike McDaniel exit means for the 49ers, what the Anthony Lynn hire means. And we will bid adieu to special teams coordinator Richard Hightower. But first, some Pro Bowl takes. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. first some football takes yeah (laughs) let's 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 just hit the the listeners with the important stuff from from the jump yeah (laughs) i know that people are like okay yeah get through the coaching whole pro bowl takes yes locked in so look i understand the 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 notion i was talking to joe shasky from 95 7 the game today and he's like why do you complain about the pro bowl just turn it off it's like no i know I don't want it was it was on at the station. I happened to observe three plays, which might be more of any Pro Bowl that I've ever watched ever combined. But it was even worse than like than I remember Pro Bowls being. Like it was literal two hand touch. And it was it was just like, what is this for? Who is this? Like the NBA All-Star Game. Do the guys try 100%? No, absolutely not. But you see guys do cool stuff that you don't usually see them trying games. You know, you see you see guys pulling up from like half court, which I mean, Steph Curry and Dame Lillard doing games. But um, you see guys throwing cool alley-oops and just doing overall stuff that you don't usually get to see. Baseball, All-Star Game is pretty much just baseball. But the Pro Bowl, there's nothing. It's just guys not trying. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't know I, who the game is for. It's not for the fans because it's not actual football. It's really tough to just watch dudes like, I mean, Go no, through a dis- walkthrough. no, yeah, no disrespect to our guy Kyle Juszczyk, but like, 
when like six defenders just kind of like converge on them and then nobody tackles them. It's like, all right, this isn't even football. It's not football. There's, there's nothing about this that is, that is actual football. My proposal would be do seven on seven flag football. Make it. That's the answer. That's the correct answer. The, the reason why you do that is because we've never seen that before on like on a television product and it would allow the players who are typically in helmets and pads and all that to actually like show their faces, right? Yes. You'd be able to see the guys in t-shirts or tank tops and shorts or whatever. And imagine how much fun those dudes would be having playing flag football and right. them having fun would emanate in a way that engages viewers much more so than this bastardized version of football where nobody's tackling each other. And like, you know, right. people will say, well, what about the linemen? Like, what about the linemen? Like who, like what, what do you need to see from the linemen during the pro bowl? That's, and that's where I'm going to take your seven on seven flag idea and spin it forward. You can't play the position you play in the regular season. Oh, I don't hate that. I want to see linemen like running routes. I don't hate that. And obviously, like the guy, I forget, I forget the guy's name who tore his ACL when they did the sand flag football mm-hmm. a long time ago. But this wouldn't be on sand, right? It's just on the field, and it's it's flag football, right? right? And we don't know like, that he tore it because it was on sand or whatever. It's like he could have tore it doing anything, but yeah, but you know, but but yeah, I, I mean, make it make it something unique. Make it don't try to make it a football game because it is not a football game. And like the thing with the NBA All Star Game. It's like, yeah, it's it's largely just a showcase or whatever for the first three quarters. But like those dudes care in the fourth quarter. Like they're playing. They want to win that game. There's money on the line, at least. With the Pro Bowl, it's like I, I, I didn't watch it at all. Like I didn't even flip it on the TV. I just saw some highlights on Twitter. And like, you know, credit to all the people who work on social teams that have to pump out Pro Bowl content because that is tough it is really tough to like make that like reverse uh, Stefan Diggs like re- reverse receiver pass. Like, Oh man, check out how awesome this is. He's in his bag now. And it's like, man, this is <laughs> not at all, not at all interesting or like doesn't even look cool, you know? And so, yeah, I'm my, my, I mean, I, I would be fine if the pro bowl just went away entirely and it, and they just made Me like, too the pro bowl, just like an award show or something, make it part of NFL and the skills. Honors. Competitions are cool. Yeah. The skills. Like, competitions that's what, are show cool. me these guys doing cool stuff that like is, is a display of their skill that doesn't really get to shine on a field with 21 other superheroes. Yeah. Like the, the dodgeball stuff is pretty cool. But yes. just this this thing where it's like, all right, we're not even tackling now. Nobody's trying. Like, let's just just get rid and like, of I get it. I get it. Like, I get why. I totally understand. You want to stay healthy. Everybody's everybody's hungover. Like, I I'm <laughs> I'm with it, dude. Did you see the George Kittle interview with DeForest Buckner? I did. Yeah. I did. Um, that, that when he yeah, asked him like the key to this week, and DeForest Buckner's like, hydrate. <laughs> you gotta stay hydrated all week. Man, after they kill asked him how his sleep schedule was, and he's like, "Not normal." <laughs> so, but yeah, it used I get to be... why it, I get I get why the game goes the way it goes. Yeah, but it just shouldn't be. It just shouldn't exist then. 
once the players stop caring about it, then you just need to get rid of it because it used to be that players cared. Like they used to play like Sean Taylor was lighting guys up and like Deion Sanders was trying to lock people down at the pro bowl and like make a statement. And now none of that, like, and I get it. There are more, you know, there are Thursday night games. There's a 17th game during the regular season. There's one fewer by during the playoffs. Like there's more football and less recovery time. So trying to add the pro bowl onto the back of the schedule is just idiotic in my opinion. And I think we're seeing how dumb it is based on what the product is at this point. And, and, we just... and you know, it's bad because <laughs> it's just kind of a bad, a bad event because I was sitting there and to bring this back to the 49ers, I'm sitting there and like I said, I probably watched three or four plays and I'm like, why is George Kittle on the field? Why is Debo saying, get him? What are they doing? Like get, get, like if you root for the 49ers, you want George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Kyle Juszczyk as far away from that game as possible. It's not like, right. a, oh yeah, look at, look at the, look at the, look at the guys. Like t- fans are going, look at our guys out there. It's they're like cringing. Right. The game should just shouldn't exist. That's all. That's my pro bowl take. I'm, I just needed I'm to get that off somewhere. A thousand percent with you. Let's talk about the 49ers. Let's do it. We'll start with the big news. Richard Hightower hired by the Chicago Bears as their special teams coordinator. Don't think the 49ers are probably super eager to bring Hightower back, given how much of a disaster their special teams were this year. Although they came up big in the divisional playoffs, so wasn't I mean, enough to save him his, his job in the Bay Area, though. The, the game against the Packers will be far more memorable to me than how just how bad the special teams were throughout the season. And... Yes. But that doesn't excuse what actually happened right throughout the regular season. It was it was pretty alarming how bad they were. And so I, ultimately, this is this is a pretty positive development for both sides, because I'm assuming Hightower's contract was up with the 49ers and they mm-hmm. came they, they came to an agreement at some point that he would not be back. And so it allowed him to go get a job um, elsewhere without them having to fire him. So. That's positive. We, what we don't know as of, you know, 840 on Monday night, February 7th, what the 49ers plan is for a special teams coach. And um, I know, you know, Rick Bisacci is still out there. Um, Joe Judge is still out there. Oh, Bisacci is not I out think, there. I think Bisacci went to the Packers. Okay. So who had was, the worst special teams unit in the league. Yes. And that, that obviously reared its head in the, uh, in the Niners game, but um <laughs> I, ha- I saw that they were interviewing him. I didn't see that that was getting finalized. Um, but anyway, I mean, the point stands the 49ers need a special teams coach. So mm-hmm. it is an, it's a low key, pretty important position. Um, and the 49ers have typically had pretty good special teams coach for a while. Brad Seeley, who was around during the Harbaugh years, was one of the best in the league. Um, yeah. And he's since retired. But there are, you know, there, uh, there are a few NFL head coaches, John Harbaugh being one of them who's a special teams guy by trade and is obviously one of the best head coaches in the league. So they, those types of coaches are out there. They do exist and they are important. Um, so we'll have to see who the 49ers settle on, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't put it all on Hightower this year. I think the 49ers throughout the season had a lot of injuries to sort of the back end of the roster and a lot of key special teams guys. Um, mm-hmm. And they were shut. They were doing so much shuffling 
to and from the practice squad um, just throughout the season. And you had rookies who like had starring roles on their college teams and didn't play special teams who had to play special teams with the Niners and they weren't particularly good early on. So do I think that Hightower is a terrible special teams coach? I don't. Do I think he had a bad year? Yeah. Do I think the circumstances were tough? Yeah. Um, But I also think, you know, what happened in Green Bay certainly mattered, right? And so it was mm-hmm, important for, for sure. him. It, it was important for him to go out on, on that sort of high note. Um, and I also wonder, like, you know, and I, I don't think the 49ers ran a fake punt or field goal or even like a onside kick. Also, I genuinely don't remember the last time they ran a fake punt or field goal. Did they run a fake punt with Kyle Uzcheck in LA? In like 2019, maybe that up. We did. We would be a great poll by you. I'm gonna look (laughs) it up right now. Um, but yeah, it's it hasn't. It's not something that Kyle Shanahan has typically done. And what was one of the more illuminating things that was said about special teams all season? I forget which game it was, but the broadcast was like, you know, Kyle Shanahan told us in in our pre production meeting that um, Kyle Shanahan just doesn't want to lose on special teams, Mm -hmm. which is like kind of a that's that's not something a a coach typically says right it's always like you know we want to maximize every opportunity we have etc etc this was like no i just don't want to lose i don't want to lose because of special teams i want to be solid enough to where it doesn't kill us and it hurt the 49ers pretty substantially throughout the year so um so how use check was not healthy for that rams game in 2019 by the way maybe it was 2018 I could have swore he took a uh, a direct snap on a punt, but maybe I'm. This is all I care about on this podcast now. You take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> it might have no, been um, like the 2018 finale when George Kittle um, set the set the tight end receiving record. Maybe I'm mm, not sure. Yeah, um, no, we'll we'll find sure. this. We're gonna get to the bottom of this for you. Uh, the next one and the bigger one, Mike McDaniel, the 49ers offensive coordinator. Run game coordinator since 2017, promoted to offensive coordinator last year. Although Kyle Shanahan said his responsibilities didn't really change with the title change. Mike McDaniel has been hired as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And I'm going to lump in with this because I think the two go hand in hand. Anthony Lynn, the former Chargers head coach and former Lions offensive coordinator, uh, was also a running backs coach and offensive coordinator and interim head coach at the Bills back in 2016. He was hired as an assistant head coach and it felt like when Anthony Lynn got hired or, or when news came out that Lynn was going to be hired that like, that was the writing on the wall that McDaniel had a pretty good idea that he wasn't going to be back. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. It, what, what's interesting about Anthony Lynn, I mean, he, he played for the Niners in 1995 and 96 and he played for Denver as a running back in 1997 through 1999 under Mike Shanahan. Um, so obviously he's very familiar with all the characters involved, right? Whether it's the Shanahan's, whether it's Bobby Turner. Um, and this is a guy who's been a pretty successful coach. I mean, in his sec- his third season or his first full season, he went nine and seven with the Chargers. In 2018, mm-hmm. the Chargers won 12 and four mm-hmm. with Anthony Anthony Lynn as their head coach. Then they won five and eleven, and then seven and nine, and he ended up getting fired. But like he's, this is not 
a nothing higher. This is this is somebody who I think um, brings a lot to the table. And and I think it is a very smart hire for the 49ers, particularly in the context of Mike McDaniel leaving, because now you have somebody who just steps in and, and fills sort of that same role and it's fresh blood, right? It's just, it's somebody new in, in the building. And maybe, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it got monotonous with Mike McDaniel. That's, that's not the point. I'm just sometimes new blood, no matter where you are, whether it's, you know, whatever workplace you're in, sometimes it helps. Sometimes it, mm-hmm. it you know, you having a new voice just to listen to is, is something that you can benefit from. So McDaniel's obviously a big loss. Um, and it's kind of wild, like looking at the, the coaching tree, the Shanahan McVay coaching tree, and just how it continues to grow and grow. And all these guys are getting head coaching jobs and you can trace it to Nathaniel Hackett and McDaniel and Zach Taylor and, um, you know, Kevin Stefanski being a Kubiak offshoot. Like Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they're, Brandon they're, Staley. Brandon Staley, a lot of them. Robert Sala, eventually, um, D'Amico Ryans, and, and we can talk about the draft pick compensation now. The 49ers are benefiting from, from those new rules um, to emphasize diversity hiring. But, yeah, I mean, the, the Anthony Lynn thing, I think, is important, and it's, it's a very good one. Um, it's somebody who's familiar. Uh, it's in terms of you know, just running the scheme and, and being familiar with the Shanahan style and Bobby Turner and all that. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good hire. And look, like, if the 49ers have another good year offensively, does Anthony and Lynn get another shot at becoming a head coach somewhere? I think he does. And then do the 49ers get two more third-round picks out of that? On top of potentially getting two third-round picks when D'Amico Ryans becomes head coach? Yeah, like it's, <laughs> I mean, they've done a really, really nice job of, um, uh, what's the, what's the cultivating, yeah. cult, cultivating, um, good coaching staffs. And the, that's kind of what the league needs is minority coaches, not only at the position levels, but, you know, getting up to be coordinators because that's usually the next step to go to a head coaching job. And the Niners have just done a really, really good job of, of what's the word I'm looking for. Cultivating is not the word I'm looking for. Developing coaches. I mean, they've looked the last, (laughs) developing is definitely the word I was looking for. The last two years, they've had head coaches hired off their staffs. And it's probably going to happen for a third year next year with the Miko. And like, honestly, it's, it's a conversation I feel very uncomfortable having because the idea that like, if you develop coaches or you churn out coaches who end up being minority candidates and you get draft picks, it's like, it, it's just, it, I, I don't feel comfortable being like, man, the 49ers are doing a great job especially in the context of this new rule where you get draft picks out of these coaches, but it's like, it's just kind of is what it is. Like the Niners have five third round picks over this, the next two drafts because of it. And that's even after trading a third round pick for in the Trey Lance deal. And like, it's just a fact, like the 49ers are benefiting from these new rules more than anybody else. 
but yeah, it just makes me uncomfortable because I, I, I hate being like, yeah, they're doing a good job developing minority candidates. But that's obviously a good I, thing, but, but it's, it's just weird that they're getting rewarded for it with draft capital. But separate, but, but separate that for a minute. Separate yeah. the, the new rules. The fact that they are identifying coaches and putting them in positions to succeed and get head coaching offers is part of the reason they've been good when they've been healthy. Like the fact that D'Amico Ryans was playing in the NFL in 2015. Like he was playing in the NFL recently. And the fact that they hire him as a position coach and see what, or as a defensive quality control, I think first before he became a linebackers coach. But after four years, they went, Hey, that guy's going to be a defensive coordinator because he's really good at paying attention to details and the players love him and this and that. And they promote him and he's an awesome defensive coordinator. Like take the, take the, the, what is it? Resolution resolution JC 20 a or whatever it's called. Take the draft pick rules out of it. And just their ability to hire and develop any coach that, that, like you said, that's, that's two hired as head coaches in the last two years. D'Amico Ryan's was getting head coaching looks after one year as a coordinator. Like that's, that's kind of astounding. And they had Martin Mayhew get a GM job with Washington. Right. Um, Rand Carthon got uh, a GM interview, I believe. I forget which team. Um, but yeah, I mean, the 49ers are sort of exemplary, I guess, in what the NFL is lacking at the moment in terms mm-hmm. of, in terms of, you know, putting people with diverse backgrounds in position to succeed. And yes, it's obviously important. Like it's very important because there's a clear disparity and it's a clear problem. Um, and we don't have to talk about, you know, the Flores lawsuit and, and all that, because I think a lot of that stuff kind of speaks for itself and everybody's talked about it. I don't have anything new to say other than the hiring practices. There's obviously major flaws in the system. And I think you, you can definitely use the term systemic when talking about it. Um, but the 49ers seem to be on the right side of that. And it just so happens that they're benefiting from from the rules and they have five third round picks over the next two drafts and could potentially have more if, and when they trade Jimmy Garoppolo and if D'Amico Ryan's gets a head coaching job after next season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's let's sort this out real quick, just those that draft compensation, because it was a little confusing. Because last year, Martin Mayhew, their VP of Player Personnel, was hired to be Washington's general manager. So the 49ers got one third round comp pick for that. In that same hiring cycle, Robert Sala was hired to be the Jets head coach. So the 49ers get two third round comp picks for that. The rules say that the picks can't stack from the same hiring cycle. So last year, their compensatory pick, the 102nd pick that became Ambry Thomas, was their comp pick for Martin Mayhew. The Robert Sala picks were going to convey in 2022 and 2023. They traded the 2022 pick to Miami in the Trey Lance deal. So they still have a 2023 comp pick coming for the Sala hire. When Mike McDaniel got hired, now the picks can stack because it's not from the same hiring cycle. So McDaniel, they'll get a third round pick this year and a third round pick next year. So they'll have two third round comp picks in 2023, and they would have two this year had they not traded one for Trey Lance. So they have five total. So they have five thirds, uh, two seconds, and then the normal allotment of fourth, fourths and fifths, I believe. But and then whatever they're going to get for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and whatever they get for Jimmy, which I I think is probably going to be a second. I think. If I had to bet, I would say it's a second or like a third that like a comp second um, or not comp. What's the word I'm looking for? Where it changes based on how, like how oh my much God. he plays. <laughs> I wrote it. I wrote it instead of compensatory the other day. Here we go. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's on top. So the broader point there is that the 49ers have a lot of ammo. They could package some of these picks and potentially move up and recoup a first round pick in these next two drafts. Conditional pick is what we're talking about. Conditional. Thank you. Jeez. <laughs> we're, good at words. we're really good at words tonight. Um, it's a good thing we don't write for a living. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, they could, I mean, with five thirds over the next two drafts, and their second round picks. You remember they traded a third round pick in last year's draft in the Trent Williams deal. So there was, there was Mm -hmm. that part of it too. Um, But they have enough ammo to move in to the first round if they want to, I would think Mm -hmm. if they, if they found somebody they really, they really liked, I don't know if they will, because I mean, and we'll talk about the draft ad nauseum later, but you look at this team, they could use as much young, cheap, affordable yes. talent as possible. Yes. So keep they those, need, all they those need more darts to throw. Yeah. yeah. Although, if they're going to, nah, never mind. Not going to go there. It's fine. Um, yeah, I don't want to dive into the whole draft stuff right now, but it's February um, 7th. We got time. I know. But I, I think you're right. I think that's going to be one of the takeaways as we start to kind of dive in. It's like they need to restock the cupboard with some cost-controlled talent, even with 
the cap set to go up. Like they have a lot of big contracts and if Trey Lance is going to pan out and be due for an extension a few years down the line, having some, having some guys that are still on rookie deals would help for sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, they've paid Kittle, Trent Williams, Fred Warner. Uh, they're going to have to pay Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa. Uh, they've paid Armstead. Hey, it's, it's wild. Remember, I can't remember if we had the conversation on the pod or off the pod. We had it with Nick about what we would each do with Debo Samuel before this year. Right. And like, oh, they're not going to probably have to worry about an extension until, you know, after year four, unless he wants to take like a, you know, um, depending on what kind of year he has in, in 2021, you know, maybe they, they extend him then. And just like, it was a question about whether you should extend Debo Samuel and when and how much. And now it's like, oh yeah, you have to extend that guy. The leap he made this year was just mind numbing. Like there was a leap like- and then, and then another like stratosphere of player that he entered into. So he had a very nice rookie season. Yes. But he was their number two receiver behind Emmanuel Sanders after the trade mm-hmm. throughout the whole season. 2020 comes and he's basically hurt the whole year. He breaks his foot in the off season. I think he had a groin injury or a hamstring injury, something when he came back, he was never in shape. He never practiced because of the injuries and COVID and all that stuff. So 2020 was basically a wash. And the point was like, man, Devo's coming up. He's a pretty good player, but like you probably want to see more out of him before you commit to him. <laughs> right. Right. And then in 2021, he's like one of the best players in football. Just genuinely like a top five player in the NFL. <laughs> like legitimate, le- legitimately a top five player in football. And it was legit, has just the like, most unique season ever. I mean, honestly, man, like his touchdown in the NFC championship game. I can't stop watching it. It was, I, I mean, I knew Debo, you know, Debo's fast. He's a receiver. He was drafted in the second round. Like you knew he's fast, but he just hit. A, a completely different gear on that play and then just like being impossible to tackle like literally impossible to tackle yeah and he's not derrick henry like it, it was he's just such a unique player that i mean i don't know i've never seen anybody really like debo samuel so it, that'll be fascinating because it's like man you want to pay you obviously pay for receivers receivers get 20 million dollars a year but like mm-hmm. you don't love paying for running backs. And part of what makes Debo so unique and special is that he can play running back. So do you pay him less than a receiver? I have a really hard time imagining that his reps are going to be like, yeah, we'll take less than what a receiver makes because he can play running back. Right. <laughs> if anything, they're going to ask for more than a receiver makes because it's like, well, you got to sprinkle some on top for the carries too. Right. Like this feels like a four year, $85 million deal with like, 50 guaranteed or something. I, I, that's just me spitballing. I honestly have no idea, but like Debo's going to make 20 million a year. I feel like on a new deal, it feels like on, easily on average. I don't know. You know, yeah. the, the individual break, the structure got to see the structure. We yeah. got it. You know, I don't know what the structure is going to look like yet. We got to see the structure before you can make. Our I'm so excited for the off season to bring that bit back, <laughs> man. I was also looking at, I was also looking at like the 30 day forecasts. And I see it's going to start creeping up into the 70s here soon. And boy, there's going to be heat to beat. I cannot. Wait. Oh, man. Yeah. 
it's uh dude i play i I mean as a full-time sacramento resident now like it's it's 70 degrees in february like i'm not calling it heat but it's not cold it's not hoodie season during the day it is not which is i'm i'm a big big hoodie season fan who's not and i love and i love nice weather but i was not i was not ready for hoodie season to be over this quickly one of the advantages of working in San Francisco is that it's hoodie season like 10 months out of the year. It's hoodie season 12 months out of the year in San Francisco. IMO. Mm. When is it not hoodie season? When do you when do you ever go into like San Francisco during, during the, during the heat during during the heat of the summer? Well, because remember, I get in I get in in the mornings, and yeah, in the mornings at like you know, 6 30, 7 a.m. It's you, you wear a hoodie on the walk on the walk from Bart. But during the summer, when I get out of there. It's like 84, 85. And let me tell you, 84 in San Francisco. I lived in Arizona, man. I dealt with 118. 84 in San Francisco is hotter than 118 in Arizona. That's a fact. <laughs> well, that's a yeah. meteorological, meteorological, meteorological fact. Sure. Um, <laughs> but even when, even in those warm summer days, when the sun goes down in San Francisco, it yes. is hoodie season. It's always always need a layer in San Francisco if you're going to be there like all day and night. Yeah, yeah for that's sure. Kind of, that's kind of um, my point. As a non-San Francisco re- resident, when I would go into the city, it would be nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. So real quick, just on the Debo Samuel thing and, and tying this into the draft. I've already started. Anytime a wide receiver's name comes up, I look at his rushing yards in college. It's Dude, it's going <laughs> to be so already, annoying. It's, it's already a thing I'm doing. It's going to be so and annoying. I have my first just dramatic knee jerk reaction, deep dive of the draft season. Can I tell you about it? Yeah, let's go. Christian Watson, wide receiver for North Dakota State. Oh, I, I watched led, led North Dakota State in receiving in 2019 when Trey Lance was the full time starter. Yep. Uh, he was second team all conference that year. Um, 34 catches, 700 plus yards, like six touchdowns. I think he had maybe seven touchdowns. Uh, he ended up returning kicks the following year, and he was a first team All American as a kick returner. He had a couple rushing touchdowns, including like a long one on an end around in the FCS playoffs a couple years ago. I'm telling you, man, six so four, a- four four speed. Just crushed it at the Senior Bowl. That's why his name went on my radar. I oh, heard about how awesome the Senior this... Bowl guys. No, it's just I was I was just perusing the internet, uh, DraftWire.com. <laughs> shout out Luke Easterling does a great job. Yeah, and I I stumbled on that and I looked at it and I started reading about the guy and I started watching. I, not not the all twenty two, just YouTube highlights. And I'm ready to do a full deep dive and just commit to Christian Watson at sixty one overall. I don't hate it. I didn't hate it when I watched him and uh, and Trey Lance play together in at North Dakota State leading up to the draft. I'm very curious to see what his spark rating is going to be though before before I'm willing to commit to uh, talking to, the to our our North Dakota State source Neil Kulong, aka my boss, who went to NDSU and watches more NDSU football than anyone. He's like he runs in a straight line. I don't think that that's a Kyle Shanahan guy. He's like, yeah, but if he can take a handoff. <laughs> Marquise Goodwin ran in a straight line and got a nice little contract for for doing 
similar things. Um, but yeah, I mean, the point, the point is, I think as good as you feel about Brandon, I, can Debo Samuel and potentially Juwan Jennings Four Niners could use another receiver. Yes. Yes. Like you don't want to be, you, you don't want to be having to give Travis Benjamin run in the playoffs. Yeah. Like Trent Sherfield got real burn in the playoffs. Like he whiffed a block on one of the biggest plays of the year. And it just, yeah. Trent Sherfield was brought in to play special teams and him, yes. him being on the field for meaningful snaps on offense is not what you want. So yeah. Receiver is still in need. Um, I agree. Anything else? I don't have anything else to say right now. I know we talked about. Do, we decide, yeah, go ahead. Well, we talked. We talked about doing a Trey Lance breakdown um, for tonight's episode. We're actually going to make that its own episode, so that'll yes. come later when we revisit Trey Lance's starts in Arizona again and against Houston, and uh, we'll we'll give that the proper uh, attention it deserves. But because there was so much news in terms of the hiring and and the draft picks and um, you know the coaching cycle and all that. Uh, we decided to to push the Trey Lance stuff to a later date, but it's coming. Um, and yeah, we're still trying to still trying to feel out this whole off season thing. Still, still very weird. new, still weird. And like they don't have a first round pick, so but there's they, a there's a weird like up. relationship with the draft. It's very and, weird. Uh, I hate it. I'll tell you what, like, I hate it a lot. A peek behind the curtain for listeners. Like, it is, if you're a writer and you're in our position, it is kind of a dream to not have to worry about a team having a first round pick in the draft because of all the extra work that it entails on our end. Um, mm-hmm. But when there's a situation where it's like, well, they don't have a first round pick, but they might try to move up and get somebody, you're like, we got, we got to be on our toes. <laughs> <laughs> especially with how much the 49ers love going into the back half of the first round to get somebody mm-hmm. so they can get that fifth year option potentially. Like that is something that they've done kind of a lot. And so uh as as somebody whose whose job performance is based on quantity, I would very much <laughs> like them to do that. <laughs> Selfishly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's fine. We'll make it work. But what a good it's the best. It's why this job is great because that's like one of the biggest hazards. It's like, oh, they might trade into the first round. <laughs> oh no. Right. right. But uh, my my point is is like we have to we have to look at everybody who's who could be available in like the second half of round one. Right. Who like yeah. fits what they might be looking for at certain spots. It's not like we can just punt on the first round because they don't have those picks. It's like they have enough ammo right. now to where they could potentially move up if they really want to. Unless you cover the Rams and then it's like they're not trading up. <laughs> right. If anything, they're going to trade back. Right. All right. Subscribe if you haven't, please. We're going to be cranking out offseason content uh, for the for the entire offseason. Um didn't want it to didn't want to slam on the brakes once the football stopped. So if you have not subscribed, please do so. We will continue bringing uh, draft stuff, free agent stuff. Um, we're going to have guests. We're going to do some fun stuff. Rewatching some old games old and rush, bringing it back old rush shout out. So if you're already subscribed, awesome. Thanks. If you're not do so now and then tell a friend to do so. We would appreciate that very much. 
the coolest That's thing the coolest thing that happens is when like i've had i don't know if you've had this i've had a bunch of old friends hit me up like dude i didn't know you had a podcast i just started listening to your podcast it's awesome it's like like I, one of my best friends from like middle school who i haven't talked to in like a decade like shot me a text the other night. he's like dude your podcast rules <laughs> i was like thanks ah! how are you doing hey shut <laughs> up. did you put that on the on your where you listen to your podcast that's a great review we appreciate it yeah if you could I, drop absolutely. that yeah if you could uh, my, uh review my, review the pod and give us five stars ideally that would be wonderful my guy spencer have, baker so from high school you. i forget what happened i forget what social media it was on but he mentioned that he listens to the pod and it's like wow that's that's wild man. it's so like it's it's super appreciated absolutely. anytime people are like yeah i like your podcast that shit's nuts to me it is nuts and then they like try having a conversation you're like actually i'm not i'm not that interested you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> like oh i'm sorry like no don't like i'm happy you're talking to me i don't have any friends can we hang out <laughs> all right that's it he's chris and kyle see you